the Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Wow, I wish I could preach like that. <laughs> what a great inspirational thing. That's my king. Is he your king today? That's what I want to talk about. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 11. Uh, as we talked about earlier, this is uh, Palm Sunday. And we're looking at the, the day when Jesus rode triumphantly uh, into Jerusalem. Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 1 from the New Living Translation. It says, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, 
They came to the towns of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden before. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and they found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus told them to say and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over it and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. One of the pieces of this uh, story uh, as we, that we know as Prom Sunday is that it was also the parade of a king. And even though it doesn't specifically mention it in this text, the Jews were very aware uh, of the passage of Scripture from Zechariah 9.9 when it was foretelling about the coming Messiah and, and what that would look like. And from Zechariah 9.9, listen to these words. He says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, you, gotta, <clears throat> you have to get a little bit of the context to understand that a, a procession like this for the people was something that they were very familiar with. Uh, in those days when kings would conquer lands and would have great victories, uh, they would have a parade uh, and they would come in with a lot of pomp and, and a lot of circumstances. And so they were used to uh, kings kind of coming into the city this way. <clears throat> but Jesus is a different kind of king. And today, what I want to do as we, as we look at this story is I want to contrast how Jesus is so very different from the kings that they were used to, so very different from the kings that we are used to. And I want to talk to you specifically about how Jesus wants to be a king to you. Are you ready? Let me unpack a few thoughts for you today. Now, in contrast to the, to the kings of old, he came as a king to live among us and not above us. He came as a king to live among us and not above us. You know, the kings uh, often like to make a great display of, of all that they have, uh, of their riches and their power. And they, they worked really, really hard uh, often to, to show the people how different they really were from the common people. Uh, they had so much more money. They had so much more power. And, and they often lived way up here. Uh, in fact, history is full uh, of examples of kings who, who love to, loved to flaunt that kind of, uh, that kind of stature. Um, I was reading reading not long ago about King Louis XIV of, of France and uh, a little bit about his story and just how he, he did this in such an unbelievable way. 
King Louis lived in, uh, King Louis XIV lived in what is now the, the Louvre in, in Paris, France, uh, which is no small building, mind you. Um, but he, it was too small for him. And the problem was, uh, even in the late 1600s or mid-1600s, that Paris had grown to a point that there wasn't really any room to expand uh, that palace to, to make it bigger. And so what Louis XIV did, his father had built a, uh, a hunting lodge uh, in Versailles, and he decided to go there and take that land and that hunting lodge and make it into the mag- most magnificent palace that the world had ever seen. Now, what we know now as the Palace of Versailles. And we're going to throw a couple pictures up on the screen for you. Uh, that's a, just kind of a great picture. You can see how, how massive that is, how big that is from the front. Throw that next slide up there. Um, you can see these these beautiful beautiful gardens, and one of the th- interesting things about the, the 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 story is that when he built these gardens, people the common people were allowed to come to go through the garden the gardens, but they couldn't wear their common clothes if they didn't weren't dressed uh, in their best and have something really nice on. They actually made them rent clothes from the palace so that they could be seen wearing something nice in the gardens. So that next slide up there. You can see he's got this place surrounded by all of these incredibly beautiful, beautiful fountains. And uh, what was interesting is that uh, they actually had to work wonders to even get water uh, to that place so that they could have fountains like that. It was, and it was no small task. It took all kinds of engineers to do that. And now you can get a look on the inside just how opulent that place is. Uh, he had the best architects in the world of that time design it and was filled it with all kinds of just uh, priceless items, including at one time the Mona Lisa itself actually hung inside uh, of the Palace of Versailles. Now, what, why I'm pointing this out to you is what you have to understand is it was all about King Louis demonstrating to the people how powerful he was and how, uh, how much money that he had. He did everything in the world to separate himself from the common people and show how far above him he was. Kings did that. When kings came riding in in parades like Jesus, they rode on a, on a big stallion and they would prance around and, and they would make a great show of their wealth in lots of various ways. But I want you to notice how Jesus came into Jerusalem. He came into Jerusalem humble, riding instead of a prancing stallion, he came in riding um, on, on, a, on the, a full, the foal of a donkey. Uh, he came in this procession, much like he came into our world. Instead of being born in a palace with lots of pomp and circumstance, Jesus was born in a barn and was laid in a manger. He was a humble king. And he came not to, not to show how far above. In fact, he was a king in heaven before he ever came to earth. And when he came to earth, he wanted to live among us, not above us. He came, he, he grew up in a carpenter shop. He walked among the people. He lived like we live. In fact, I love how Paul is, describes it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. And he's challenging us. He said, you know what? You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. You know, sometimes when, when we, um, if we had a, a need in our life and we went to someone who was a king to talk about that need, I, I think a lot of times we would think, you know what, they, 
Why would they care? They don't have any way at all of identifying with what we're going through. Um, they don't struggle like we struggle. They don't suffer like we suffer. And, and so we're trying maybe to appeal to their, to their pity rather than something that they could really relate to. But again, Jesus wasn't that way. Do you know that Jesus wrestled with the same things you wrestle with? Do you know that Jesus struggled with the same things that you struggle with. You can read in a couple of different places in the gospel that Jesus was even tempted, just like you and I are tempted. Why that's so important is I want you to understand today. When we talk about Jesus being a king, he really is a different kind of king. He's an approachable king. He's a listening king. He's a king who has been where you are. And he's he's a king who can identify with everything that you're going through. In fact, when you cry out to him, he gets it. He fully understands. Um, I, I love how Hebrews writer said it in Hebrews 4. He said, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings that we do. And yet he did not sin. So let us come, look at that next word, boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now look at me for a second. I want you to hear my heart with this. When you get overwhelmed by life, when you become afraid, when you struggle when you are wrestling and, and, and struggling and, and, and tempted and dealing with stuff, I just want you to know that when you cry out to God, he not only hears your prayers, Jesus feels your prayers because he went through everything you're going through. He did not come as a king to live above us. He came as a king to live among us. What an awesome God. I love this. The second thought I want to give you today is that he he came as a king to free us and not enslave us. He came as a king to free us and and not enslave us. Again, if you you look at um, uh, pictures that have been painted of conquering kings, if you look at uh, some of the, even some of the, the, the sculptures that have been done of conquering kings. One of the things that you will see in those sculptures uh, that kings love to uh, just kind of show off in front of everybody were how many prisoners they took. Um, one of the things when kings would come in as conquering kings, they, they loved to demonstrate how many, how many people they had taken captured and, and how they had taken down all the officials and made slaves out of them and, and how they put all the people in a certain, in a certain country uh, or a certain city, how they put them all in bondage. And, and uh, kings loved to, loved to talk about, you know, they were conquering kings who came to, to enslave people and everybody was, you know, kind of on bended knee in front of them because they were so scared of what, of what they might do and, and all of that. But Jesus, again, he was a different kind of king. Jesus didn't come to enslave. When he was riding into Jerusalem, that people had no idea. He didn't come to enslave anybody. He came to set us free. Again, just great scriptures. In John chapter 8, verse 36, these were the words of Jesus himself. He said, so if the Son sets you free, 
You are truly free. I love Paul was writing to, uh, second, in, to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 3.17. He said, for the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, one of the things I, I, I love uh, to hear about are when people uh, share with me uh, stories of how our king has set them free, how he broke chains in their life. And, and um, it was really interesting. I, I read a story about a young gal by the name of Sabine. We're going to throw her picture up on, on the screen there for you. That's Sabine. Sabine uh, lives in Germany. And in her testimony, she talks about how uh, when she was 13, um, she started smoking and a friend introduced her to uh, hash. And she said as, as a young teen, she began down this road of, of drugs. And she said by, by 15, uh, she was taking speed and LSD. Uh, by the time she was 17, she was into heroin and cocaine. Um, she talked about how through those uh, early years of her life as a young adult, how uh, she struggled and tried to, to get free of it, and she would go into rehab, and how she would come out and go right back to it. And she talked about time and again, she knew that this was a road of death, but she couldn't seem to, to break free. Um, she met a guy, and, and uh, they had a, a baby, didn't, uh, and she was raising this little girl. Uh, and she said, you know, I've got to get clean for my baby, but she, but she couldn't. Every time she tried, she couldn't. This, this drug just had a hold on her that just wouldn't let her go. And she struggled, and she struggled, and she struggled for 20 years. Sabine struggled with her addiction. Couldn't find freedom. Then she met a guy by the name of Franz who was a customer for a company that he worked for. And in conversation, uh, Franz mentioned the fact that he was a believer. And, and Sabine took an interest in what he was saying. And he said, if you'd like to know more, we can talk. And, and so they met and they began to talk. And Sabine began to open her heart to this Jesus that, uh, that Franz talked about. Franz introduced her to some of their friends. And Sabine began to attending a, a Bible study with, with, with Franz and her friends. And as they began, the more she learned about Jesus, the more she knew this was, this was the missing ingredient in her life. And she said, finally came the day when, when she got on bended knee with, with Franz and, and some of her friends. And, and, and together they cried out to Jesus Christ, not only to save Sabine's soul, but to break the chains that addictions had on her life. And Sabine, in her testimony, talks about how she, it, was, it was not an easy journey, even going forward from there, but how God gave her the strength that she never had before, and how God truly did set her free. In fact, I love, throw that next picture up on the screen for me. You can see this is Sabine being baptized as she proclaimed her faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Again, I want you to look at me for a second. I have no idea what you struggle with today. I have no idea where you feel in your life like you're in bondage. I have no idea uh, what change may be upon you, but this is what I know. This king that we're celebrating today, he's not a king who's come to enslave you. He's a king who has come to set you free. And I promise you, this king has the strength to break every chain that binds you. He can break everything that has shackled upon you. This king is a different king like no other. And he wants you to be free. You know, I, I was reading the story and I was thinking about that this week. It hit me as Jesus was writing in 
And these people who were in the crowd that were welcoming him, you know, they didn't have any idea that they were the ones who really were the prisoners. They were the ones who were enslaved to their own addiction. They were the ones who were enslaved to their, to their anger, enslaved to their fears. They were the ones who were enslaved to sin. And they had no idea that this Jesus that they were welcoming to their city was a king who was coming to set them free. And he can do the same for you. We'll give you another one. Jesus came as a king to serve and not be served by us. He came as a king to serve us and not be served by us. <clears throat> you know, typically when we think of a king and a palace and that kind of life, we think of someone who has lots of servants, lots of people who are paid to do all of the menial tasks that a king doesn't want to do. And yet Jesus taught us a little bit different way, uh, that he challenged us to live with. In fact, I, I love the passage of scripture in Mark chapter 10, shortly before the story of the triumphal entry that we read earlier. It says, so Jesus called them together and he said, that you, you, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over, um, over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you, I love this, must be your servant. Can you believe that? And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Now listen to this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that goes so countercultural to the way that we think, and especially when we think about a king or someone in authority. <laughs> this was really funny. Uh, a few years ago, um, I was here uh, late in the day, and um, as I was getting ready to leave, I, uh, I heard some noise, and I walked out, and I, I, I could see some movement down by the fellowship hall. So I just walked down the hall to, to where our fellowship hall was just to see what was going on and see who I might say hi to and all that kind of good stuff. Those of you who know me know I, 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 love, to, I love to greet our people and hug them and all that kind of good stuff. And so I just walked down, and uh, as I walked in, and you got to understand during the week, I'm, I'm pretty well dressed, fairly common. I've got jeans on and usually a pullover shirt of some kind. And so I walk into the fellowship hall. Paul, and down at one end, there were, there were people getting some stuff ready, and there was a guy, and he was looking around, and he had kind of an angry look on his face, and I walked in, and I was just kind of, uh, you know, looking around, seeing, and I didn't know who they were. Uh, obviously, they were a group from outside who were using our facility for whatever function they had, and I, I was walking around, and I walked over to the guy, and he looked really anxious and frustrated. I said, everything okay? He said, no, and I said, well, what's the matter? And he said, I, I told them I needed two more tables. Now, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I was a little bit taken back by the guy's attitude. Here's a group that we're letting them use our facility for free. Now, it's not costing them anything. And yet he was a, a little bit of an attitude about him. And he said, I, you know, I, I, I told them I needed two more tables and, and they're not here. And I said, oh, well, no worries. I said, what kind, of, what kind of tables do you need? And he said, well, I need two six-foot tables. And I said, hey, you know what? I'll take care of that. I'll get it 
be right back. And so I went down and ended up getting two uh, six-foot tables and brought them down and got them set up, helped him put them in place. And, and um, he, he said, uh, he, <laughs> I got him in place. He, he said, thank you so much. He was a little more gentle. He said, thank you so much for your help. And I said, no worries. He said, are you the custodian here? And I said, well, sometimes. I said, when I'm not busy being the senior pastor. <laughs> and it was so funny because this guy's jaw just dropped. And he was mortified. I know he's just thinking about how he had just acted, what he had just said. And, and for somehow, you know, I guess thinking maybe that senior pastors shouldn't do this kind of work. He was just mortified by the fact that I, what, of what I did. And he goes, I am so sorry. I had no idea who you were. I had no idea that you were the pastor. Please forgive me. I said, hey, hey, it's not a big deal. No worries. I said, you know what? In my line of job, I said, my line of work, I said, sometimes I preach. Sometimes I set up tables. Whatever needs to be done, that's why I'm here and I walked away well you know what I really believe with all of my heart that that's the kind of posture that Jesus not only had but that he does challenge us to have Jesus came to serve you now let me just ask you this question how do you need Jesus to serve you today what do you need from him I believe it all, all my heart that um, our king is a king who loves his people to come and, and open their hearts and lives. And I believe that Jesus loves to serve you as he serves us. Um, you know, one of the things we often mark this week with is uh, uh, an, an ordinance called foot washing. And um, if you go to John, uh, John chapter 13, you'll You'll see the story of Jesus gathering with his disciples, and as he gathered together with them, the Bible says he did something really wild. Um, it says he, when he came in and they were seated, he said he, he took off his outer garments and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and one by one, Jesus went to his disciples and he washed their feet. Now, they had dusty roads, and, and the, the washing of feet was something that servants would often do for people who came as guests of homes of people who had servants. And, but here's Jesus, if you can picture this, on his knees in front of his disciples, one by one, washing their feet, washing dust and grime off. Um, and when they were done, Jesus said, do you see what I've done for you? You call me teacher, and that's what I am. And if I, your teacher and leader, have washed your feet. You know what? You should also wash one another's feet. Now, I imagine now about uh, three weeks or so into this quarantine thing that some of you are just about um, ready to kill each other at home. Um, you're kind of tired of being in each other's space and you're, you're getting a little bit of cabin fever and maybe you've even had some uh, harsh words and some difficult moments between you and the, and the spouse or you and the kids. Can, can I just make a suggestion to you? I, I double dog dare you this week to have a foot washing service for your family. I dare you parents to take a basin and towel and water and to sit in front of your children and to wash their feet, and to tell each one of them why you love them so much and how thankful you are to be their parent. I challenge you uh, married couples to get on your knees with a basin and a towel before one another and to wash each other's feet and to tell each other one more time what's so special about them and how you are so thankful not just to be their spouse, uh, 
but to be their servant. Our king didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Maybe we should do the same. Can I give you one more? Jesus came as a king to love us and not to lord over us. He came as a king to love us and not to lord over us. You know, as we celebrate this Passion Week, we know that later on in this week is going to be the time when Jesus is going to be betrayed and he's going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified on a cross. And sometimes what we forget when we read this story is that none of that caught Jesus by surprise. Um, in John chapter 15, as Jesus was speaking with his disciples, he said, you know, I've, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's what he says. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one's life down one's life for one's friend. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. They had no idea that Jesus was about to literally do that. Um, I, I love the other verse from John chapter 10 and verse 18. When Jesus was speaking, he said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. You know, sometimes when we look at a picture of Jesus on the cross like that, we often think, what a shame that the people were so blind and that the Romans were so blind and the Jewish leaders were so blind that, that they took the life of this innocent man but they didn't take his life. He gave it. That was why he came. For God so loved you that he gave this one and only son that if you would just believe in him, you wouldn't have to perish, but you could have everlasting life. How much does God love you today? And Jesus stretched out his hands on a cross. And he said this much. This much. This morning, we come before a different kind of king. A king who didn't come to live above us, but to live among us. A king who didn't come to enslave us, but to free us. We come today with this king who, who didn't come to be served by us. He came to serve us. We come today with a king who offers his unconditional love to each and every one. 
Look at me, please. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you, where you've been. I, I don't care what you've done up with your life up till now. It, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how far you've run from God or how hard you've tried to resist him. It doesn't matter how you may have blasphemed his name. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he said these words up to his father about those who were taking, taking his life. Jesus said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. That's the love that our king has. And he offers it to you. So right now, Rachel and, and our band is going to lead us in a song. and It's just a fantastic song that reminds us of this incredible love that God has for us. You can't even begin to imagine how deep our Father's love is for you. But this morning, I pray that you would open your heart, that you would open your life, that you would let the King of Kings be your King. Will you surrender your heart, your life, all your struggles and all your issues over him, over to him today? That's our king. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as we come before you today, we declare that you are king of kings and lord of lords. But we take that one step further today. We declare that you are our king. Today, Lord Jesus, we give you full reign in the domain of our life. And Lord, you know how we need you today. You know those of us who need to be set free. You know those of us who maybe have been bound for years. But today, Lord, we need your great strong hands to break those chains and set us free. You know those of us who need you to serve us today, oh God. You know how we need your provision. Some of us are, are, are hurting. Some of us are in need. And Father, I pray right now that you would draw near, that out of your riches and glory that you would meet each and every one at our point of need. Lord God, today, you know those of us who need your love. Lord Jesus, we know we aren't worthy of a king like you. But your word says that it was while we were yet sinners that you came and offered your life for us. That the Father so lavished his love upon us that we could be called the sons and daughters of God. And that's who we really are. So, Lord, today, for those who may have been far away and are now drawing near, would you wrap your loving arms around them? Would you hold them close to your heart? Would you let them know, oh God, that you love them more than they could possibly imagine? Because that's the kind of king you are. We love you so much. It's in your precious name we pray and give you thanks. And all God's people everywhere said,